I'm going to do a little bit of a review as we, as we look at this text, but uh, there's, our, there's our title for today, The Life the Lord Has Assigned to uh, Each One of Us, A Call to Contentment, and we'll be looking at that theme verse in a little bit. Here's our outline of the book of Corinthians, and we're in this section right here. We started it last week where Paul answers the Corinthians' questions. Here is the theme book uh, verse for, the, for all of 1 Corinthians. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And for today, this is the lesson verse. It's in, in uh, chapter 7, verse 17, at the beginning, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner, let him walk. And we're going to really be uh, zeroing in on, on that this morning. If you, um, here is our theme, and I have this on your sheets also. Christians should willingly and joyfully accept the marital condition and social situations into which God has placed them and be content to serve and glorify Him there until God leads them elsewhere, until God changes the situation, so to speak, um, elsewhere in the future. If you remember last week, I gave this to you. I just wanted to show you this link because not only for this topic of marriage, uh, the elders of Countryside have on our website a, a spot called Distinctives, and there are certain topics that, that we, uh, they have uh, given some uh, good text to and some Bible verses for, this one particularly to marriage, but you could uh, take note of that of that link, and it was on last week's sheet if you still still have that. What I'd uh, like to do as before we go on to the new information is just to do a review of last week. If you remember, we looked at verses 1 through 16, Paul's instructions to the Corinthian church on marriage, and in verses 1 through 7, these topics we covered. Celibacy is a good thing for single Christians, one reason for marriage is purity. That was verse 2. Both husbands and wives are obligated to be available intimately as neither spouse has authority over their own bodies. Spouses must not deprive one another, kind of goes along with that topic, of intimacy unless they both agree and there's a consent and it's for a certain period of time, a limited time. Inappropriate sexual abstinence can become a tool for Satan. There can be temptations there if they don't obey and come back together again in a timely way. And then God gives people differing gifts, singleness versus marriage, and that's uh, in verse 7. Then the second section, we looked at instructions for the unmarried and the widows. And though it's not a mandate, Paul does this all the way through this chapter many times. Though it's not a mandate, Paul's preference is to remain single. And I was uh, just chatting with Chaz beforehand, and he's going to give you the scoop on all of that next week when he picks, when he picks back up uh, after our text this morning. But if a single person lacks self-control, they should get married since marriage is preferable to burning with lust. And then his third section was instructions regarding divorce for Christians who are married to other believers, and unbiblical divorce is forbidden. And then if a Christian couple is involved in unbiblical divorce, neither partner is free to marry someone else. They must stay single or rejoin their former mate. And then in the last section, there were instructions when you have uh, an un a believer married to an unbeliever, a Christian is not to divorce their unbelieving spouse who is willing to, to remain in that marriage. 
The unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the marriage to the Christian, and the children of such union are also holy or set apart. And, and then lastly, if the unbelieving spouse desires to leave or abandon their believing mate, the believer is not bound to the existing marriage and may uh, live in, in peace. So that was, that was last week. For this week, what I'd like to do is, first off, I'd like to give some credit to Justin Turner. Um, I was wrestling with this passage. It's only eight verses, but uh, what to do with it and how to really look at it properly, praying about it. And I listened to one of his previous messages, and it really, it really helped me out, so I wanted to give him the credit for that. Well, let's pray before we get into this text and ask God's blessings upon our time. Our Father, we do come in the name of Jesus, and we ask for your aid. We, we know that we cannot comprehend the Scriptures unless the Spirit of God teaches us, opens up the truth of it to us, and so that we may be able to understand it and be able to apply it in our lives. So we pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would teach us this morning. Use the things that I say, Lord, not my words, but from your word that would be a challenge, would be a help, would be an encouragement, Lord, would be convicting, possibly, whatever it would take for us to change, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord so that he would be even more glorified in our lives. We commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. By, if you remember from my introduction last week, among other issues, there was a ter terrible problem existing in Corinth, and it dealt with the whole area of marriage. And as with many of their problems, their marital issues stemmed from the pagan and morally corrupt culture in which they lived, and certainly from their own hearts, in that um, they had not fully separated from that culture. Their society tolerated things such as fornication and polygamy and adultery, homosexuality, and having concubines. And because of these issues, discontentment was prevalent among the Corinthian believers, as some of them were not happy with their current estate of singleness or their marriages or their social, social situations, and they wanted a change to their circumstances. And in our verses for today's lesson, we're going to see how Paul instructs them, which might help them with their discontentment. You know, sometimes you read passages in the Bible, a portion of, of text, uh, like we come to in today's lesson, and you might say, well, why are those verses there? If you remember last week, Paul was instructing, he began chapter, as we just reviewed, 1 through 16, about the topic of marriage. And now it appears that he's going off on this rabbit trail uh, about circumcision and being a slave or being free. And we wonder maybe how does verse 17 through 24 fit the topic of instructing the Corinthian church about marriage and about relationships. And my, my goal and my desire is by the end of this lesson, we'll all see how Paul fits, this all fits into Paul's goal of answering the, the Corinthians' questions. So, Let's take a look at the text for today. The first section is Paul's direction to all Christians, and that's in verse 17. Follow along as I read that verse. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, and as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. 
That's this verse here, verse 17. Um, I want to look at, I mean, this, this, as we can see, Paul says, I so, and so I direct in all the churches. This is direction from the Lord through the Apostle Paul's writing to all the churches that he ministered to. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to just look at a couple of the words, a few of the words in this, in this verse. The first one is the word assign. That means to distribute, to apportion, or to allot. It is the same Greek word in, in uh, Romans 12, verse 3, where Paul says, and God has allotted to each a measure of faith. It's an allotment. And in verse 17, Paul is saying that all Christians should live out their lives as God has assigned, or to live out the lives God has apportioned or appointed for us to live. Our current life situations have been assigned to us by God. And to some, that assignment is singleness, which could be temporary, or singleness, which could be a lifetime assignment. To others, God's assignment is marriage. And we saw this last week in verse 7b, where Paul said those words, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in, in that. The second word to zero in on is the word called. That refers to the effectual call of God. When God calls sinners to himself for salvation, and when you put the two thoughts together, Paul is saying for those whom God has called to salvation, to the believers, to those who are Christians, God has assigned you to the current situation that you find yourself in. And then Paul goes on to admonish those believers by saying, in this manner, or in that calling, or in that assignment, let him walk. If you remember the apostle, this word walk has to do with our Christian behavior. It means to conduct one's life. It refers to our daily Christian behavior. And one of the epistles where Paul uses this word a lot is the book of Ephesians. You can jot some of these down if you want to look at them later. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. That's 401 in Ephesians, very similar instructions to, to chapter uh, 7, 17, what we're looking at today here in, in 1 Corinthians. The next verse, 417, so I say this and affirm in the Lord that you are to no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. Verse 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And then in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then the last one I was going to look at was in 5.15. So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as, but as wise. Those are from the book of Ephesians. The thought here, as followers of Christ, we are to behave ourselves in an upright and a Christ-like manner. Walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord. The word worthy has the idea of living in a way to match one's position in Christ. In other words, we're to be everything that the Lord has called us to be. And what has he called us to be? We called us to be holy. He's called us to be Christians, to be ones who are followers of Christ. And in particularly in these verses in today's lesson, 
walk worthy of the Lord no matter what circumstance or situation in life he has given to you. Even when your lot in life is not the best, so to us, it seems like it's not the best, or maybe not what you had hoped for it to be, or especially in those circumstances, we're to trust the Lord. Why? Because he is our sovereign Lord who never makes a mistake with what he has assigned to us. Whether that be singleness or marriage, widow or widower, married to a Christian or married to an unbeliever. And if married to an unbeliever, that, un- that, that unbeliever is pleased to live with you or is, um, is upset with your faith, can't tolerate it, and wants, wants to leave. And our lot in life ought not to alter the way we are supposed to behave since we are those who have been called to a life of holiness. That's, that's Paul's point. And you're going to hear me uh, hitting that drum over and over again. I feel like I can because Paul does it also in this text. Three times we're going to see he basically says the same thing. It's important to keep in mind that being in any of these situations does not make us any less useful in God's kingdom. And I think that's probably one of the things that the Corinthians struggled with. They may have thought that maybe they'd be more useful to God. Uh, Maybe they would be more effective in their spiritual service if only their current situation could be changed for the better. I mean, they're single, maybe if I was married, or if I was married, maybe if I was just single. And there may be some of you in this room today who are thinking the same thing. If God would only change my situation, I would be able to serve God better. And Paul wants to correct not only the Corinthians, but correct our thinking by telling them that no matter what our assignment is, we can be used of God to impact those around us for the gospel and to serve God effectively. And certainly in any of these circumstances, our God can always be trusted to work it all out for our good and certainly for his ultimate glory. So he says, wherever God has assigned you, whatever God has called, you that are called, in this manner, let him walk. I like Thomas Schreiner's quote here. I believe I gave this to you on your sheet so that you could look at this later. Paul assures believers that their social status, though so significant in the eyes of their contemporaries, matters little to God. Christians should rest in the places where God has planted them and fulfill their roles in the places where God called them to salvation. The honor linked to certain social stations does not signify more honor in God's sight. Some of the Corinthians thought that changing their situation would approve their effectiveness, but Paul assures them that they should bloom where they are planted. I like that. But you notice, rest in the place where God has planted you. Fulfill your role, I underline these, in the places where God has called you, and you should bloom where you are planted. Here's our second point. Now, Paul has given this instruction to them, this this direction, but he's going to illustrate that, and he does that in verses 18 to 23. Follow along as I read those verses. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man 
must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather, do that. For he was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become the slaves of men. The first illustration that Paul uses here is circumcision versus uncircumcision. And you wonder, how is Paul using this illustration? Well, Paul was saying to the Corinthians, were you of the Jewish faith when God called you and you've been circumcised? Then stay as you are, remain circumcised. Certainly in the church, they were Jews and Gentiles. And this would have hit home with them. They could identify with this. He says, if you were a Jew when God called you, when God saved you, and you were circumcised, stay that way. Were you brought up in a Gentile home and you are uncircumcised and God has saved you? You too are to stay as you are, remain uncircumcised. And he gives this powerful, um, this powerful admonition to them. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Again, those life situations don't matter. These situations are insignificant in God's sight. And Paul finishes verse 19 by stating what really matters. And he says it there, what really matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. We as believers have been blessed with the new life in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are new creations through the powerful regenerating work of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Our old natures have been crucified with Christ, and now we're walking in newness of life, Romans chapter 6. And being, uncir- being circumcised or uncircumcised is not the point. They don't, have, they don't have any bearing on our spiritual relationship with the Lord or our standing with God, nor our effectiveness in serving the Lord who has called us to be his very own people. What really matters is that you belong to Jesus. Verse 23 shows us that, that we're bought with a price. Jesus has bought us with his precious blood, and you are now children of God through faith in Christ. Schreiner had another phrase. I put this on your sheet, and it's a fill-in-the-blank for you. Believers must realize that they have been purchased with Christ's blood, and since they belong to him, they must serve him wherever they find themselves in life. Again, Paul says what matters now is that believers are to live godly. We're to live holy, keeping the commandments of God. You obey God's word and focus on your spiritual disciplines pertaining to worship and serving God and others and evangelism and prayer and pursuing holiness and ministering within the church and so on no matter what situation God has you in, in season or out of season, whether it fits your plan and my plan or not, whether it makes sense to us or not. Rather than the Jew not liking his or own circumstances in life and wanting to be like Gentiles or the Gentiles wanting to be like the Jews, your focus is not to want to blend in with the crowd by manipulating your circumstances or to think that the grass would be greener on the other side of someone else's fence. What you should be concerned with is following it hard after God, being a faithful follower and disciple of the Lord Jesus, and being obedient to his word. Now, how does this fit into Paul's teaching earlier in this chapter about marriage? Well, 
If someone is unhappy in their marriage situation and doesn't want to be married, and they want to act and behave as if they're single, Paul says that's a problem. That's why, why he's using these illustrations. Certainly it's going to go broader, and I'm going to talk about that to apply it broader. Instead, those people that are thinking that way, they need to live righteously, live Christ-like, pursuing holiness and the glory of God in their present assignment given to them by God. They need to be content and remain in that situation God has placed them in. And on the other side of the coin, if there's a single person who's unhappy about being single, they really, really want to be married, and, and they are not content, their circumstance ought not to be the focus. It's not that it's, that it's not part of their lives, not part of their thought process, not part of their prayer for the future for God to, to lead and guide and direct them, but their focus is living a submissive life to God's current plan and behaving in a way pleasing to the Lord. That's what's vital. And they need to trust God for his wise bestowment of their current and future assignments and learn to be content by willingly and wholeheartedly remaining in the current situation God has placed them with. So the first illustration, circumcision versus uncircumcision, for Paul to drive home his point. The second illustration is slavery versus freedom. Paul's just bolstering his argument. It never hurts to keep driving home his point to the Corinthians, and it's also helpful for us here today so that we also get it. Paul says, Were you effectively called unto God by the soul-changing, powerful work of the Holy Spirit unto salvation while being a slave? And certainly, again, many of the Corinthians um, were most likely slaves in that time so that they could identify with what Paul was saying. Again, the slavery or the freedom is not the focus when it comes to your relationship with God or pleasing God or walking with God or walking in a manner that, that glorifies the Lord. Um, Paul says, if you can get out of it, yes. Verse 21b, he says, if you can become free, by all means do it. But if God's assignment for you is to remain a slave to another person, Paul says, did you see it there in, in, in that verse? Don't, do not worry about it. Don't worry about it. Verse 20, uh, 21, like uh, right in the middle of the verse. Don't worry about it. The marginal note in your Bible might say, let it not be a care to you. First Peter 5, you can cast that care upon the Lord and, and let God do what, what he's going to do with you and be submissive to your assignment in life. Don't let your situation be your focus and don't be discontented. Remember, though a slave to someone else, you are the Lord's freedman. Verse 22, you are completely free in Jesus Christ. MacArthur said in his commentary, in the ways that truly count, no man is freer than a Christian. No bondage is as terrible as sin from which Christ frees the believer. End quote. And then Paul goes on to say at the end of verse 20, 22, likewise, he was called while free as Christ's slave. Just, on the, just the opposite, meaning that group of people who are not slaves but free in a social sense, yet in a spiritual sense, in their salvation, they are made bond slaves, slaves to Jesus Christ. Again, we could apply verse 19b here for the illustration. What matters is the keeping of the, com the commandments of God. Social situations, culture, the ways of the world, or your current law in life 
have no bearing on your spiritual life. Because by the enabling of the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer, we can honor the Lord no matter where we find ourselves. Our circumcision, or not being circumcised, our slavery versus not slavery, should never keep us from obeying or honoring the Lord. But sadly, our sin does. Now, I said earlier I could broaden this a bit. There is an application broadly. Uh, and this principle of remaining in your current situation where God has assigned you and being content and submissive and honoring the Lord there can be more broadly applied to differing relationships or other circumstances or situations in life. And we need to be content in all of them. Employee and employer, your job situation. Oh, I'd only be a better worker if I had a better boss. Student or teacher. I'm failing my classes because my, my teacher doesn't like me. I keep getting all the bad assignments. Parent, child, spouse, spouse in the home, your health, your finances. And I was just going to open it up. What other situations, I'm going to ask you, what other situations could people be struggling with in, with their assignment in life where they're discontent and they need to learn to be content in those assignments? Any ideas? Any other types of situations or assignments? Open, well, not open mic, but I'll hear you. Anyone think of one? No? Yes. Kate, do you have one? Yeah. So she's, Kate, Kate was uh, just saying that she's given it to the Lord as far as singleness being there for a long time. And of course, that's marriage. Yes, uh, marriage and single, singleness. Are there any situations you can think of that, uh, that I didn't list, like um, home, job, work, finances, health, that people might struggle with? Say again? Where you're living. My home, my town, my, yeah. Where, where, where I am. Deb? Somebody who might be saved in prison, they feel like their life had been wasted and, and uh, they wish they had been saved earlier and struggle, struggle with that, but that's God's timing. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2, 4, Tony. 2, 9. Age. What do you mean by age? <laughs> we all have an age, Tony. Okay? Well, you struggle with the age and what we can do for the Lord for his kingdom and where we are and our health and bodies falling apart, different things like that, you mean? Can affect. And we can struggle with that. Certainly, we can. But we're at where God has us. And I'm going to kind of hopefully help, a, help us there. One more, maybe? Yes, uh, Pamela. Difficult relationships outside of marriage, maybe just in family or friends or, or neighbors, that pesky neighbor or... Or that family member that just, just always is combative about the faith. They're unbelievers, but they're combative. Yes. Disability, disease, yeah, 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 special, special needs. Certainly. All right, now i got to find out where I was in my nose. Okay, here's where Paul was going with these illustrations. You can excel in walking in a way, behaving, conducting yourselves in a way that honors the Lord, 
whether you are circumcised, uncircumcised, slave or free. And by way of continued application in this chapter, whether you're single, whether you're married, various nuances of those relationships with the Corinthians, and certainly all the things that, that we had said. Here's another, I think I have this on your sheet, and maybe a fill in the blank also. We should never worry about our lot in life or use our current situation to excuse our spiritual laziness or to justify our disobedience. What really matters is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, obedience to God's word, and behaving ourselves in a way that pleases the Lord. Now, I've said all of that. Take a little bit of a break here, and I just want to stop and ask some related questions. Are you really content with your present situation, no matter what it is? Can you honestly say that you are content before God if your singleness has been prolonged? Can you honestly say that you are content before God if your marriage is prolonged? Or are you unhappy in those or your job, family, life, all those other ones that we talked about? And maybe you've convinced yourself that you would be able to better serve the Lord Jesus Christ if it would just be changed. Wrong. That's the type of thinking Paul is striving to correct. Why are those questions so important for us to focus on? Well, look at it from this perspective. Who has put you and me in the current situations we're in? Who has put us, who has given us our assignment? I remember I was, I was in the military and I was given some crazy assignments and I, and I followed them. Almost to the point, it seemed like I was just going to get in trouble, but I did what I was supposed to do because it came from my, my uh, officer who was in charge over me much more on a higher scale for us as believers. Of course, if we look back on, look back on verse 7, at the end of verse 7, however, each man has his own gift, and I think I have these on my, yes, and highlighted from God. One in this manner and the other in that. And then in our first verse, only as the Lord has assigned to each one as God has called. One of my go-to verses in Psalms, on anchor verses on the God's sovereignty, is Psalm 115, verse 3. But our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. Do you see where the assignment comes from? God. The Lord has assigned. And it's pleased the Lord to assign or to distribute or to allot to put you and me directly into our current unique special situations and callings in life. And the challenging follow-up question is, is your lot in life from God pleasing to you? Justin Turner in his message said, wanting so bad to get out of your current assigned state that you are willing to not trust God for his plan for you. Wow, that's powerful. I'm going to read that again. Wanting so bad to get out of your current assigned state that you are willing to not trust God for his plan for you. That would not be the way to go. And so far in the lesson, you've heard me repeatedly say there's been a word that I've used about our proper attitude that we ought to have in our current God-given assignments, and that word is contentment. Contentment means to be satisfied. It means to have enough. It's not dependent upon others or circumstances. True contentment comes from God, and it enables believers to be completely satisfied and at ease in the midst of any problem and to remain satisfied within our current circumstances, positions, and callings in life. One commentator said, 
Paul knew the chief end of man is not to have his needs met, but to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And because of that, Paul was satisfied with whatever God graciously granted him. Paul worked hard and was content to let God control the results. That's a great admonition for us. This is interesting. Paul tells us, if you look back in verse 23 of our chapter, Paul tells us how not to be content in 23b. We will never be content if we become the slaves of men. You see it there at the end of verse 23? Do not become slaves of men. Kistemacher said of that, instead of obeying the law of God, Christians entrapped by worldly thinking become the slaves of men. I'm kind of, you talk to my wife, my kids, I'm kind of different in a way uh, at times. I like to track uh, uh, statistics, some weird things sometimes. I like numbers and trends and and patterns. When I was working in a corporate job, one of the things that I used to do is uh, listen to the company officers give a speech, 15 minutes or whatever, 10 minutes, and I would count the ums or the ahs, or if they fiddled with their glasses or they touched their hair or something, right? Strange, um, huh? Um, And when another thing I do is I watch TV commercials, and I key in on repetitive words, and I, I see these in those as seen on TV t- type ads where the product, you know, our product is the best thing since sliced bread. It's $19.99. You can get this in my mind, or I might say out loud, but wait. And then they'll say, and it comes in blue, green, brown, but wait. That's what I'm saying. And I'm saying this audibly in, in my home because inevitably someone comes out and they say, but wait, you can get two for the price of one, or you can get the second one free if you pay the $18.99 shipping on that product or whatever. But, it, but this is the one that I was keying in to kind of illustrate for the, today's lesson. In many of the commercials, there's a phrase that I've noticed that they use, and you'll hear me if you watch me watching commercials in my house. I'll be walking around and I'll hear the commercial, and they use this to set the hook to get you to buy something. You should get our makeup or our food or our vacation, our car, whatever the product. Buy it now. What? Because you deserve it. You deserve it. And if single Christians are not careful, they will listen to the world or false preachers telling them, the Joel Osteens of the world, telling them, you deserve to be happy. You singles deserve a relationship now. And in the world, particularly, they'll say, you deserve it. Don't wait for the marriage to experience intimacy. Grab it now for yourselves. But we know that Paul's clear directions in verses 1 and 2 of this chapter are a guardrail for singles falling into, not falling into that temptation. And they ought to remain single until God gives them their soulmate who can, they can marry on good biblical grounds. On the other side of the coin, married believers, if they're not careful and they listen to the world who tells them that they may deserve a better spouse, a more fulfilling relationship. But Paul's words from God here in this chapter is for them to remain as they are. Did you notice that? It says that you're to walk in that assignment, verse 17. In verse 20, each man must remain in that condition. And he's going to say it again in verse 24. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. There's an interesting comparison in what Paul says in this text that we should never become the slaves of men. 
God tells us through the wonderful letter from Paul, do not become the slaves of men. Do not get trapped by the world trying to tell you what to do. Don't go along with the ways of the world. That reminded me of the Apostle John's words here in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. And I was just thinking of Colossians 2. I think it's uh, around verses 6 through 8. It says, beware of philosophies and the the vain traditions of the world. Don't let them spoil you. Don't let them rob you of, of what you should be doing as living holy as unto the Lord. MacArthur, I think I have a text from him. Yes, a quote. Paul is speaking of becoming slaves to the ways of men, the ways of the world, the ways of the flesh. That is slavery into which many of the Corinthian believers had fallen, the slavery that caused their divisions and strife and immaturity and immorality. We have been bought by God, and we belong to God. We must never become the moral or spiritual slaves of men, living by their standards and seeking to please men. And that's why it's so important for us to be able to hear the word of God and to be able to, to see the line upon line, the precept upon precept, these, these principles, these directions from the Apostle Paul given by the Holy Spirit as he penned these words to that church, so helpful for us today because we can struggle with the same issues and be discontent and, and not, not like the situation we're in and we're letting everybody know about it and particularly the Lord knows about it and what we ought to be doing is submitting and being content. Please remember, what the world has to offer will never bring contentment. But what God assigns will be right, and it will be good, and it will be satisfying. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, learn to be content. Contentment only comes from a right relationship with God. He has created you to worship him and to love him and to serve him alone. And as you pursue God to have a deeper relationship with the Lord, Learning of Jesus Christ, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, and as you do what really matters in faith and obedience to God's word, such as your prayer life, fellowship, service, pursuing holiness and Christ-likeness, putting off sin, renewing your mind through the word of God, putting on righteous living, pleasing God, willingly submitting to your God assignments, that will go a long way when it comes to learning contentment. Okay, we're going to wrap up this text here this morning. Here's the last section. Paul's direction is reiterated. It was the verse that I just read, but I'm going to read it again. Look at 24. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Did you notice, as I said earlier, maybe you keyed in on that, how many times Paul has stated his directions to the Corinthians in our text this morning? Well, it's three times in eight verses. It's important. Three times in eight verses. There I go counting again, right? Um. <laughs> this is the rule that Paul follows for all the churches. And the key principle is that every Christian should remain in the situation in which he or she is called or assigned by God and be content to serve God there. Here's the first one. 
But three times, only as the Lord has assigned, there it is, to each one as God has called each. In this manner, in that assignment, where God has you, let him walk. Verse 20, each man must remain in that condition, in that calling in which he was called. In verse 24, the verse I just read, brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. You could uh, fill in the blanks on your sheet with uh, those verses, those that have a, a sheet. Just to kind of wrap up and kind of say it one more time, I figure since Paul said it three times in eight, in eight verses, I could say it a whole bunch of times in uh, this 45-minute lesson this morning. But again, pull it all together. Whatever position, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever calling, assignment, distribution, and whatever position the Christian finds himself, did you see this in verse 24, brethren, each one is to remain with God. I think that's, that's just a great, a great uh, uh, source of encouragement for us. Remain with the Lord because he's not going to make any mistakes when it comes to our assignments, and he will never forsake us in those assignments. God is worthy to be served in every circumstance we find ourselves in. Doesn't that bring comfort and peace and stability and direction to your hearts this morning? And we have so many wonderful ways to be useful to the Lord right where we are. We ought to bloom well, effectively, to the glory of the Lord right where he has planted us. All right, for application, very quickly, unbelievers, I understand that there could be some in this room that do not know the Lord, and maybe you are kicking against the position you find yourselves in. It seems that you're always combative with the things of God and combative with the with Scripture or, or those that are in your family that are believers, it's time to bow your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. He can set you free. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins and the saving of your soul. He is the only one who died, was buried, and rose again that you might have spiritual life in his name. Believers, willingly and joyfully accept every God-given assignment, situation, and circumstance in which God has placed you and be content to serve and glorify him there until he leads you elsewhere. And then I gave this another little study. You can take this home. It's on your sheet. It's a freebie. It is of great importance for Christians to learn contentment. John MacArthur has listed five attributes of Christian contentment that he mined from Philippians chapter 4. And there's the text at the bottom. You can go home and take a look at that. But the first one that he says is in verse 10. Contentment means confidence in God's providence. I think we've touched on that a little this morning. Contentment means satisfaction with little. Paul said he'd learn to, to have little, have a lot. Thirdly, contentment is independent of our circumstances. And that one really goes along with today's lesson. In, in verse 12, 12 of that chapter, you notice down the bottom, verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. And if you want to know more about that, Pastor Tom, 2005, did a three-part series on contentment, the lost virtue. You could look that up, listen to that. And he explains this out of all of this, um, this text here in Philippians 4. There's two more. Contentment is strengthened by divine power, certainly we're content by the power of the Lord and his graciousness to us through the working of the Holy Spirit. And true contentment is preoccupied with the well-being of others 
verses 14 to 18. May our Lord Jesus continually enable us to learn to be a content people. Let's close our time in prayer and praise to the Lord. Our Father, as we take a look at a text like this, and we see it began in the chapter about marriage, and then we have this, this teaching from the, Paul, from the Apostle Paul specifically to kind of give these illustrations just to bolster the argument, to, to, to nail it, to hit the, ham, uh, the nail with a hammer, uh, to bring it home. And then as Chaz will pick up again next week in verse 25, it'll go right back to, to marriage and the unmarried and the different uh, relationships and how, how we ought to behave and conduct ourselves we're so thankful that you do not leave us to ourselves. You give us great instruction from your word. It is truly the lamp unto our feet and the light for our path. Your word is, is used by the Spirit of God to, to, to grow us in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, to equip us. Lord, it is, it is all inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, that we might be equipped to serve you as we should. And we pray that as we consider these verses and continue to go on and charge through these verses in First and Second Corinthians, that you'd help us to be a people that more honor and glorify the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.